Alright, well, tonight we are continuing in our series talking about discipleship, and so we have a very special guest to uh, help us continue to learn more about what discipleship looks like, specifically what the characteristics of a disciple looks like, and so uh, I am excited to introduce uh, Pastor Stephen. He's going to be sharing with us tonight. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll make sure to get one to you to borrow for this evening. And uh, let's have some fun. All right. Thanks, Nick. So, indeed, my name is Stephen Anderson. I am the pastor of church planting here at Fellowship Church, which is really exciting. If you're not sure what that means, uh, you're not alone. Um, And I'd love to talk with you about that, so feel free to catch me afterwards or sometime on a Sunday. We can talk about that. Um, But that's not what we're here to talk about tonight. But I did want to uh, introduce myself a little bit and tell you a couple of important things about me. Uh, One is that my birthday is not in November, which you already know. Um, Also, it's interesting because that I'm sharing tonight, November 9th, because that's an important day for me, because this marks the day that it's the first time that I ever did the impossible shot. So thank you to Nick for that, and Jason for that. This will always be a special occasion for me, and uh, I should have known this, but next time Pastor Nick asks me, I'm going to ask him, who am I going to have to shoot arrows at if I agree to speak? Um, which is an important thing to remember, so you got to check that out. Uh, no, seriously, though, I did want to share with you that I was born and raised in Iowa. So not from Pennsylvania, but born and raised in Iowa. And I wanted to get a show of hands. Anybody here who's been in Iowa before? We have like four, five, six, maybe. Yeah, that's actually better than I thought maybe it would be. And when I ask people like it, and I say that, and people say, oh, we've been to Iowa, I usually ask them, oh, who did you visit? Because there's not tons of stuff to do in Iowa, but I grew up there, a great place to grow up. It's farm country. Uh, so, yeah, if you could show that, that first slide there. Uh, Iowa is farm country, and this is where I grew up. Now, not, not literally in the barn, like we had a house, but uh, that's my parents' barn. Uh, a couple of times my mom, I think, did threaten that we would, you know, she's like, if, if you don't clean your room, you're going to have to go live in the barn. But never followed through on that, but you can go to the next photo. So farm country, so this is a picture from like uh, the driveway of where I grew up, and so it looks like that. It's flat, lots of farmland as far as the eye can see. So when a farmer plants a crop, what is their goal? What are they trying to do? What are they hoping for? Crops. Yeah, exactly. Specifically, a harvest, right? You plant because you want to reap the harvest. So cornfields, they plant corn, and you want to harvest the corn. That's what they're hoping for. So when they plant, they get excited if they plant the seed, and then after a while it grows, and the plants start to grow, they get excited for that, right? They get excited when they're all lush and green. That's nice, too. But if there's not a harvest, then it's a failure. All right, so tonight we're talking about characteristics of a disciple. So I want to do some review for a second. Does anybody remember what the characteristic was from last week? 
Anybody remember last week's characteristic of a disciple? Anybody remember? Yes. Worshiping, yeah. So a characteristic of a disciple is someone who worships. Exactly. So characteristics of a disciple, worshiping. And tonight we're going to talk about the second one, which is growing. Now here's a, a little bit more challenging question for you. Can anyone give me a definition of what a disciple is? So we say we want to be disciples that are, characteristic, are characterized by worshiping and growing. What is a disciple? Can somebody give me a definition of what a disciple is? Yeah. Yes, a follower of God. That's great. Other things. Anybody add to that definition of a disciple? Did you have something? If not, that's okay. I just thought I saw a hand moving up over there. Other things that care, yeah. Sharing the truth. Yeah, sharing the truth. Following God in knowing the truth and sharing the truth. Anything else about what it characterizes a disciple, what a disciple is? Well, I have a couple of things that I put together. You go to that next slide for me. Um, a disciple is someone who is committed to following Jesus. That's what you mentioned. Second, they are someone who is being changed by Jesus. And then third, they are fulfilling the mission of Jesus. So that could be a kind of definition. This definition has three components. It is the head, which is choosing to follow. So you make a decision with the head. It's the heart being transformed by God. And then the hands focusing on his mission to make disciples. Now, these three things actually line up really well with the characteristics that we're going to be talking about. Worshiping, being committed to following Jesus, being devoted to him. Tonight, we're talking about growing, which is being changed by Jesus. And then next week, we're going to be talking about serving, fulfilling the mission of Jesus. So that's kind of a big picture of what we're talking about. What characterizes a disciple of Jesus? So tonight, the characteristic we're talking about is growing. So a disciple is characterized by growing. So transformation is a feature of the life of a person who is walking with Jesus. So we want to start by reading John chapter 15 and verse 8. I think we have that on the screen. Somebody want to read that for us? John 15, 8? Yes, Jason, go for it. Yeah, thank you. So, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So, we want to do some observations on this passage of Scripture. So, we're going to take it in a couple of ch chunks. The first one is it says, the Father is glorified. So, as we think about the, being a disciple, we think about a characteristic of a disciple, the starting point and purpose is God and glorifying him. So if we think about our own growth in following Jesus, my growth is not primarily about me. Your growth is not primarily about you. It's about God. It starts, starts there. Now that's a little bit weird, isn't it? If you think about that, like my growth, my discipleship, me growing and following the Lord is not about me. 
It's a little bit odd, but it's incredibly freeing and comforting because I'm not looking to me for my growth. It's not about me. It's about God. It's about glorifying him. He's the primary focus. So we have to start there and remember that. Because again, we're following Jesus, who is God. And so it's about him, not about me. And there's a lot of freedom in that. So by this, my father is glorified. Now I should say, I didn't mention this at the beginning, but this in John 15, verse 8, this is Jesus speaking. So these are the words of Jesus. So he's talking about God the Father is glorified in this. So it starts with God. Then he says that you bear much fruit. This is growth. Something that grows, it produces fruit. Notice that word much, much fruit. Not just a little bit, a lot. A lot of growth bears much fruit. So remember the farmer. What does the farmer want? What is the farmer aiming for? Somebody said it already? A harvest, crops, fruit, we could say. So it's the fruit, it's the production. The plant grows to produce a fruit, and that's what you want. So bearing fruit. So growth produces fruit. I remember a time... It's actually that field that I showed you that picture when there was corn planted there and the corn grew and it looked great all year. You know, it was green, it was growing, it was healthy, everything looked great. Got to harvest time, it dried out. But then the farmer, instead of coming along and harvesting, he actually came and just plowed all the corn down. He didn't harvest anything from it. And the reason was because when he went out and checked it, there was actually no corn that was actually growing on the plants there was nothing to harvest i don't know why that happened but that's a total failure and it's a huge loss so for that one field in just the seeds alone that the farmer spent that money to plant those seeds is about 25 to fifty thousand dollars in seeds alone you have some thoughts about what you could do with twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars? I have some ideas of what I could do with that. Now you spend all that money and plant the seed because you hope that when you harvest the crop, you take that and you sell it for more money. But it was a failure because there was nothing there. And so the fruit is what we want to have coming from the growth. And we're going to come back to the fruit part in just a second. But continue on looking at John 15, verse 8. It says that you would bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. There's the word, discipleship. So we prove to be disciples by bearing fruit. Fruit, or growth, is a characteristic of a disciple. It's an identifying feature. Now, we have to pay careful attention here. Because it says proves. So bearing much fruit proves you to be a disciple. It does not make you a disciple. You see the difference there? Bearing fruit isn't what makes you a disciple of Jesus. It's a result of, it's an identifying feature of the fact that you already are a disciple of Jesus by putting your faith in Christ. 
So faith in Jesus is what makes us a follower of him. Believing in what Jesus did is what comes first. The gospel comes first. Now, I, I want to take some time on this because it's very common for people to get this, we get this mixed up. We just jump to that really fast. We say, okay, the Bible says that I should bear much fruit, and so I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to be a disciple. That's what's going to make me a disciple. If I do what Jesus says to do, that's what makes me a believer. It's not what makes us a believer. It's our faith in Jesus, what he did. It's the, it's the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his death, his atoning sacrifice for our sins, that has accomplished that for us. And when we put our faith in that, when we trust Jesus, then we become a follower of Jesus. We're living for him. And then our growth is an identifying marker of that reality. So the faith comes first. So bearing fruit doesn't make you a follower, but it proves that you are one, a disciple of Jesus. So the characteristic of being a disciple of growing, we need to be growing. As you think about this, okay, we're talking about fruit. Now, in this case, the fruit, as I've used the example, the fruit is not corn or grapes or bananas or oranges or anything else because this is a metaphor, right? So we're not talking about you don't have to become a farmer. So what is the fruit? That's, that's the natural question then. What is the fruit that we're talking about? What does growing look like in our lives? What would that look like in our lives? So can you think of a, another place in Scripture that talks about good fruit? Anybody think of a place in Scripture that talks about good fruit? Yeah. The fruit of the Spirit. Exactly. We'll look at that in a second. That's Galatians 5, 22. Actually, why don't we just go there now? So Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is the passage that talks about the fruit of the Spirit. So I think we have a slide for that. Does somebody want to read that for us? Go ahead. Thank you. Yeah. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Now, this is a tough question, but does anybody remember from last week, Pastor Carl was talking, and he talked about living water. Remember that from John chapter 4? Living water, <clears throat> and he said, he actually asked the question, and he said, does anybody know what that living water, as Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, what that represented? Anybody remember? Yeah, the Holy Spirit is the living. You guys are pretty good. There were like four hands on that one. That was good. That was going to be my trick question, so I guess uh, I've shot all my shots for tonight. My quiver is empty, I guess. Um, yes, it's the, the Holy Spirit. The living water is the Holy Spirit. And here we have the fruit of the Spirit. So it's talking about the Holy Spirit of God produces this fruit. So as you look at these, I mean, we could take a lot of time and go through each one of these things, but as you look at those different fruit that are there, can you think of anything they have in common? What do they all have in common? How would you characterize them? Anything that's common about them? They're all virtues. Exactly. These are all 
uh, characteristics, they're all internal things, right? If you were to describe all of those, all of those are aspects of our internal lives, our character and our actions, right? Are any of these external things that exist outside of us? No. They're internal characteristics, and we could call them growing in godliness, or we could use the term righteousness. Godliness meaning being like God, God-like characteristics, because they come from where? They come from God, yeah, specifically God the Holy Spirit. So it's the fruit of the Spirit. These are things that characterize God, they come from God, and uh, we could also call them growing in righteousness. That's another biblical term, kind of a, a big long word, but that means living the right way. And so as we grow, our lives should grow in this fruit. It should be producing this fruit. That's the fruit that we should be looking at. That's the, that's the crop that we're interested in producing. So this is the Bible's vision of what life should be like. What, what do you think for, if we're not followers of Jesus, and if we're not living for Jesus, we're just typical people in the world, what, what is the crop that the world is trying to produce? What would, it be, what would be the list of things that uh, we would be uh, trying to produce if we weren't followers of Jesus? What are some of those things? Money. Yeah, that would be a big one on the top, right? People think your life should be about growing in wealth. That's what we're trying to get. What are some other things that we would be looking for? Yeah. Fame. Yes, very important aspect. There's people that just think, oh, yeah, we should be getting more famous. Become an influencer, right? How many followers do you have? So we could be producing that. Self-centeredness. Focusing on me. So the more I'm focused on me, the more everyone else around is focused on me, the better. Yeah, other things. Happiness. Yep. Happiness, convenience, pleasure. Yeah, just the more of that you have, the better. Yeah. Selfishness. Yes, focusing toward yourself. Anything else you can think of? We could probably list these all night. Power, control, influence. Well, we said influence already. Those are the things that the world is trying to produce. It says if you have those, long life would be another one. Um, if you have those, then you have a good life. That's what you should be in, uh, working toward. That's what you should be trying to produce. But what does Scripture say? I mean, is, is money on there? Influence on there? Lots of cars and a big house? No. So what we should be growing in are these things. These are what characterize a disciple. Not how much you have in your bank account, how many followers you have, how easy your life is. Is ease on here? Just grow in my life being easy. We'll talk about what that, an implication of that, because if, if God isn't just interested in saying, he, he, God's not saying to you, you know, I want you to have the easiest life you can have. If God was saying that to you, then he would never challenge you with anything, right? Because the fruit of the Spirit is an easy life. And, and God would be wanting you to have an easy life. But because it's not up there, 
God is saying, this is what I'm trying to produce. So that means that God might bring some things into our lives that are not easy. God's not going to just say, you know, your bank account is always going to be really full. Because God is introduced, interested in producing these things in us. That's what he's trying to grow in us. So we're, as we grow, we're supposed to produce this kind of fruit. And it's increasing in those things. So as you think about your life, is your life increasing in love? You look in the past and then go to the present, are you becoming more loving? Is your life increasing in joy? Are you more patient now than you used to be? As you follow Jesus, it's about increasing in those things. Are you more kind, more good, more faithful, faithfulness? A lot of the things on this list get very much forgotten. I think this is a forgotten thing in the world around us. Are you faithful, like trustworthy? If you say you're going to do something, you do it. Even if it's hard, even if it's inconvenient. Are you growing in that gentleness, self-control? You're not controlled by things outside, you're not just controlled by your passion. Oh, I have to do it because I want to do it. Is your life moving from less of these things to more of those things? So this is what we, we were talking about growing and we're talking about producing fruit. This is what we're talking about. Not the external things, but the internal things in me and in you. So that's what we're trying to produce. That's what the fruit is. Okay, that's all the setup because the really important thing is we ask how. How do we do this? So if we're supposed to bear fruit, if, if a identifying feature of being a disciple is that we are growing and producing fruit, that's the fruit. How do we get to it? How does this growing thing happen in our lives? All right, I'm going to read. I don't have it all on the screen, but I'm going to read John 15. And this is kind of the whole context. And verses 1 through 8. And then we're going to narrow in on verses 4 and 5 that are there. So if you have a Bible, you can grab that and follow along as I read from John 15, starting in verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of my word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch, and it withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit." And so prove to be my disciples. So that's the context of that whole section. But we want to zero in on verses 4 and 5. Where he says, abide in me and I in you. So if we ask the question, how do we produce this fruit? 
Jesus tells us the answer. What is it? What is it right up there? First three words. Abide in me, right? That's how you do it. Jesus says, abide in me and you will produce fruit. He says it again. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So that's the answer. Simple as that, right? That's how we do it. You know, you can go off to small group and we're good. Well, that's the answer. But how many of you have heard, how many of you have heard this before? This passage of scripture is familiar to you. You've heard this before? I've heard this before. It's a familiar thing. But if I ask you, what does it mean? What answer would you give? If I said, what does it mean to abide in Jesus? What does that mean? What would that mean for you tomorrow? If I said, tomorrow you should abide in Jesus, what does that look like? Kind of a tough question, right? It's kind of, you think, well, what, how do I abide in Jesus? And we need to answer that if we're going to actually produce fruit, right? If this is the means, then we have to answer that question. Well, the good part is Jesus actually answers it for us. He says, abide in me and I in you, period. And then he actually explains what he wants us to do. This actually happens a lot in Scripture. You're like, ah, you read something in Scripture, you go, I don't know what that means. I wish somebody would explain it. I always say, keep reading, because almost always, very often, it is explained as you keep going. So, he's, what does it mean to abide in Jesus? As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So he gives an example of what it means to abide. What is he talking about? He's talking about a branch. So he uses an image. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. So we're connected to him. Now, we need to look at this. I want to dig into this a little bit. When I was your age, I heard this, and I thought, isn't the vine like a little trellis, you know, thing that goes up the trellis, and it's just like this little thing you can just pull off? Like, how is a branch connected to that? Like, shouldn't it be, I am the trunk, and you're the branches? Anybody else ever had that question? Anybody with me on that? I'm alone in that? Oh, man, this is a rough night. If you don't ever invite me back, I understand that's what I always thought. I'm like, why is it divine? Like, what's going on with that? Well, there's actually a really good example or a really good reason for that. And that's because Jesus is not talking about a tree. He's talking about a grapevine. And anybody heard that? You know, the, the grapevine? I heard it through the grapevine. Okay, we got that one. Um, so I got a picture of this. So for grapes... The vine is this part. You see that? This is the vine. It's actually much more like the trunk, but that's what we call it. We call it the vine. And then these up here are the branches. You can go to the next picture. Shows it a little bit better. This is the vine. These are the branches. And then I think there's one more picture. This is a little bit smaller vine, but this thing here is the vine, and these are the branches. On this picture, you can see it a little bit better. You know where the, the grapes actually grow from? The branches. So, Like if you ever bought, you know, whole grapes or a bunch of grapes from the grocery store, and they come in this bunch, cut off right there. 
So when Jesus is saying that, that's what he's talking about. The branches are connected to the vine. So as he says there, if you remain, if the branch remains connected to the vine, what happens? Well, this is what happens. You have lots of grapes. But if it's not remaining in there, if it's not attached, then it doesn't produce anything. And remember, again, what is, the, what is the grower, what's the farmer trying to produce? In this case, what are they trying to produce? What do they want? Grapes. You don't care if you have vines, and you don't care if you have branches if you don't get the grapes. So the branches need to stay connected to the vine to produce that. Because if there's no grapes, it's no good. And Jesus talks about that. He says, so, just as the branch can't produce anything separated, so we must remain or abide in Jesus in order to produce fruit. So that's what he's talking about. Now, he says in verse 2 that with these branches, if they don't have any grapes growing on them, then they are, they, uh, are cut off. And that's what happens in these situations. So, you know, you have the vine, you have these branches coming on here, but you want to see that grapes are growing. If there's no grapes growing on that branch, the branch gets cut off. So that the branches that are producing will grow and produce more. I'm going to read uh, John 15, verse 2. I don't have a slide for that either, but I'll just read it for you. It says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, as we were just talking about. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. So if a branch is bearing fruit, the Father prunes it so that it will bear more fruit. Does anybody know what pruning is? Anybody can explain or give an example of what pruning is? Yeah. That is exactly it. When you take the dead stuff off. So pruning is you take you know, the parts that are unnecessary you see some dead leaves, and you take all that stuff out so it gets more sunlight, so that the branches that are healthy get more of the nutrients that are coming from the vine, so that it produces more fruit, which involves tending to the plants and often cutting things away, cutting off parts. And so in our lives as disciples of Jesus, this can involve some things that are hard, some things that are painful. God may bring something into our life, to purify us. God may take something away from our lives to prune us and to help us grow. Because again, what God is trying to produce in us is not a happy, easy life. God is trying to produce the fruit of the Spirit. And so if we're bearing fruit, he prunes us so that we'll bear even more. It causes us to grow more, to trust more, to be attached to him. So for the grape vine, the branch abides by remaining attached to the life-giving supply of the vine. What happens if any of these branches gets broken off? What will happen to it? Yeah, they're going to die and wither. That nothing is going to be produced there. So if I go to a vineyard, I'm like, oh, that vine looks really great, and I break it off, and I'm going to take it home, and I'm going to, you know, put it on my coffee table. And that'll be really great, because it's a grapevine, and it was attached. I mean, it's a branch. It was attached there. It's going to produce some great fruit, and I just put it there and wait for it. Am I going to get any 
am I going to get any grapes? No. It's not going to produce anything. It has to stay attached. It has to remain. Now, if the branch, you know, maybe the branch is what I was attached, you know, I grew up in that. I was attached to that. You know, I knew Jesus. I went to Sunday school. I was baptized. Will that thing in the past cause you to bear fruit in your life as a believer? No, you have to remain attached, right? In our lives as Christians, we can't just rely on things that happened in the past. You can't just say, oh, my parents took us to church, or I went to TNT when I was a kid. That thing that happened in the past, we have to actively today remain attached, attached to Jesus. That's, what it, that's how we grow. How are we going to produce this fruit? We have to remain attached. Now, does anybody here know anyone who is attached to their phone? If it's a person sitting next to you, you don't have to nudge them or anything. Okay, there's some people pointing, you know, yeah. Anybody attached? What does it mean? What are, what are some of the things that indicate that you're attached to your phone or somebody's attached to their phone? Yeah. Being on it 24-7. Yeah, it's like, mm, all the time. Yeah. You're attached to your phone if you're on it 24-7. Other things. What are some other indicators you're attached to your phone? What's that, Lori? Yeah, it's right here. Even, even if I'm not looking at it, it's got to be right here close by. Yeah, Brandon. Yeah, if you talk to people online, they're like, I don't know who any of you are, but all my friends are on here. Yeah, what are some other ways you're attached to this? Yeah. Yeah. This goes away, and you can't function anymore. You're like, ah, I don't have a brain. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. I can't communicate with anybody. I can't get around. Yeah, you're, you're dependent on it for life. Any other things that are indicators that you're attached to your phone? Yeah. Yeah, you're constantly checking it. If you get anxiety about the fact of losing it, you're like, oh, I'm afraid. What if it doesn't work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't do math without the calcul- calculator. How many of you, like, don't even own or know where, you, where a flashlight is now in your life? You're like, what's a flashlight? Yeah. Other things. What are some other indicators that you're attached to your phone? Tim's got a flashlight. Yeah. Did you? Ha- oh, I thought you had a hand up. So, okay, Brandon, what do you got? Yeah, you open it up, and you're like, I don't know what's happening. Anybody ever been, like, you're lying down on the couch or in bed or something, and you're, like, texting on your phone, and then you wake up because you drop it on your head? <laughs> I've done that. Maybe you have to be over a certain age to have that happen. That would be an indicator you're attached to your phone. Anything else? Yeah. <laughs> Use your phone. Yeah. While eating dinner, you're like, oh, no. I don't even know if it's actually going in or not. Yeah, it's always close by, you depend on it, it gives you joy, you miss it when you're away, you think about it, you talk about your phone, you tell other people how great it is, you can't live without it. That's when you're attached to your phone. You know, all of those things apply when you're attached to Jesus. It's like Pastor Carl talked about last week, where you live a life of worship, and you think about Jesus in your day. 
you depend on him in your life. You get worried or anxious if you're not close to him. You can't live without him. You tell other people about him. You're excited about him. You get joy from him. Being attached, that's what we're talking about. So if we're going to bear fruit as disciples, it's not by just saying, okay, I know who Jesus is. That's something I did one time, maybe once in a while. It's about being attached to Jesus Christ. And the branch, our life, the disciple who stays attached to Jesus will bear much fruit. So think about this picture again. The branch that is attached, as it grows, maybe it gets pruned and it grows more fruit, does the the branch need the vine more or less as it grows, as it bears more fruit? Does it need to be Does it depend on the vine more or less as it grows? More, right? So another way of saying that is that the the branch is not trying to outgrow its need for the vine, right? The branch isn't like, well, I'm attached now, but if I bear enough grapes, like if I get big enough, then I, I won't need the vine anymore. It's not trying to grow out of needing the vine. So question for us, are we trying to grow out of our need for God? Is that what disciples are? Is it just growing, that we grow more? If I grow more as a disciple, I won't need God anymore. No. In fact, as we grow as disciples, we're actually growing in needing God more and more and more. Just like the branch that has more and more fruit on it, to produce that fruit, it needs to depend more on the vine. So you're not trying to outgrow your need for God. So it's not like you say, okay, I'm going to grow as a disciple and I'm going to be such a good Christian that I don't need God anymore. Because that would be like the branch saying, I'm going to grow to be such a good branch that I don't need the vine anymore. That's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to grow in our skills and grow in, in our good life as a Christian so that we no longer need God. We're actually growing in relying on him more and more and more so that we're growing in those fruit, so that we're loving more, having more joy, being more patient. We're growing in our need for the Lord that he would produce in us the fruit of the Spirit. So that's what it means to be a growing disciple. The characteristic of a disciple is someone who is worshiping and someone who is growing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the life that you give us. And thank you that you are the source. You are the one who is providing us the resources to grow and produce much fruit. Father, I pray for each one of us here in this room. I thank you for the students. I thank you for the leaders. Would we all grow in following you, grow in producing the fruit of the Spirit, that our lives would be characterized by those things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And Lord, thank you that as we do that, we grow in our need for you. We grow in our love for you. Help us to be as attached to you as we might be attached to our phones, 
that you would be glorified in us as we bear much fruit through you. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.